UNLV football player Ryan Keeler died in February. Uh, there has not been much of an update on what happened to Ryan Keeler. However, a uh, police report about the situation. The Las Vegas Sun published a story on this yesterday from Mike Ramallah. Uh, to read from it, Ryan Keeler had been battling illness for a week and was prescribed medication by the UNLV football training staff just days before he was found dead on February 20th, according to that police report. Uh, Keeler started feeling nauseous on February 13th. He got prescribed medication. A couple days later, he was found dead. Uh, Julio Garcia, who is a former player and is a current grad assistant, was uh, performing a wellness check, going over to check on Ryan Keeler and had to kick in his door because he wasn't responding and found Ryan Keeler dead. And according to the police report, there was a pill bottle that was empty in Ryan Keeler's room. Um, Barry Odom, the head coach at UNLV, he has not spoken to the media or anything. He speaks today. Uh, they open up spring practice. Yeah. Their first day of spring practice is today. He is scheduled to talk to the media today. I I guess I, I'm not expecting him to say a whole lot, but there are certainly a lot of questions now after this police report about what exactly happened with yeah. Ryan Keeler and how was the UNLV football staff handling, treating Ryan Keeler, right. who was sick before he died. Right. Um, again, I don't know that Barry Odom will probably won't say a whole lot today. I would guess he doesn't say a whole lot today, but there are a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered from the UNLV side yeah, of things. And I think I don't know. Look, I'm not a doctor. And, uh, I don't know how long it takes uh, after an autopsy to say the cause of death, but I think that'll tell us a lot. Yeah. That'll tell us a lot when we finally figure out what the cause of death was. I think one of my questions on this is according to the police report right he had been feeling sick for about a week unlv prescribed him medication, medication. did ryan keeler see a doctor that wasn't I a unlv think. trainer or something yeah. like that that to me is a, a big question or was yeah. this just hey i'm feeling sick and the unlv training staff gave me what i don't, don't even know what the medication was right gave him something and then ultimately he ends up dying so I, th there's a lot of questions here. A lot that is still to be unearthed about what happened to Ryan Keeler, yeah. but it uh, doesn't look like the greatest situation for UNLV football yeah. at the moment. And we'll see if Barry Odom says anything about how they handled it and what led to Ryan Keeler's death. Press box transition. Did Max Rice clinch Boise State's NCAA tournament night? spot? 14 0 uh, run in the game. Max Rice goes crazy against San Diego State. Losing to San Diego State up 60 to 52 with 445 to play. 12 of 14 points. Max Rice, that's the quad one win. Yep. Uh maybe put him off the bubble. Maybe it got maybe put him in the tournament. We'll have to see the updates in the bracketology and what people think, but that was a huge win for them. Max Rice went on a personal 12-0 run in the final five minutes of a game that probably put his team that his dad coaches into the NCAA tournament. Yes. It's fairly incredible. And here's the thing. Max Rice wasn't even that good during the 12-0 run because one of he, the first point he scored during this 12-0 run was a free throw. He then missed the second free throw, but his teammate got the rebound, kicked it out to him, and he hit a three. Max Rice then, I think he airballed his next shot, but his teammate got the rebound and it got kicked <laughs> back out to him and he hit another three. He also banked in a three at one point in this stretch. 
my guy was not shooting well at all, but he just kept throwing them up, and enough of them went down. Meanwhile, they got a bunch of stops against Boise State or against San Diego State. Well, that was as much as you know he scored all those points. San Diego State, when you go four forty-five without scoring, yep. that's on you. Yeah, that's rough. That's 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 completely on you. That's uh, I saw. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but somebody tweeted out saying they they had wished they hadn't watched the end of that game because the late game offense for San Diego State just as bad and that right. was a bit it's been a big reason why they lost last year right. right so maybe that if they get into a close game in the ncaa tournament even if they're a five or six seed and they're, they're favored favorite. to win exactly if it's a close game late maybe they're the team that blows it because they don't score enough right. at the end of the games great question thank you patrick kane was finally traded to the new Gerard york rangers guy. uh second round pick and fourth round pick are going to chicago Second-round pick uh, becomes a first if the Rangers make the Eastern Conference Finals. The Coyotes are also involved because they're retaining some of Patrick Kane's salary, and they're getting a third-round pick from or from uh, New York, I should say. So it's ultimately a second, a third, and a fourth for Patrick Kane. Would you have done it if you're the Knights? If that was the haul? I would not. Well, okay. I we would not have about whether they should have had Patrick Kane or not with because his salary. I don't think Patrick Kane is that good. But if we get to Friday and the Golden Knights' only move is Ivan Barbashev, then I would say yes, you should have given a second, third, and fourth for Kane instead of doing just no, one, yeah, guy. just the Barbashev trade. Um, but Patrick Kane had a no trade clause. Patrick Kane got to basically pick where he wanted to go. I mean, not everybody was going to trade for him, but no, of the handful of teams, be, exactly. he got to pick and apparently was not going to pick Vegas. He only picked New York. So Golden Knights couldn't have made that trade even if they wanted to. But at the end of the day, a second, a third, and a fourth. I, I think my judgment's being clouded by the Tanner Janot trade. The guy who scored five goals this year, who went for a first, second, third, third fourth, fourth, and fifth. fifth. That guy's, worth, that guy's worth a first and a fifth yeah. <laughs> more than Patrick Kane? No way. I don't. That trade is unbelievable. Lightning are probably going to win the Stanley Cup again, though. And they'll no, be like, he's yeah. probably going right. to oh, be like score an overtime MVP. winner. Yeah, he's going to be the MVP and they're going to win it again. But, like, God, that is just an insane amount of picks. They gave up a whole draft for a guy who has five goals yeah. this year. That's crazy. So it's it's... Almost as crazy as the NBA trade deadline where we had every team in the league just trading five second round picks. Do you want every second round pick? You want a we second have? round pick? I got a second round pick. Do you need a second round pick? Everybody needs a second round pick. A lot of UNLV players available in the second round. That's a great, great question. The Pacers beat the Mavericks yesterday 122 to 120. So One in five now. I'm going to give you some stats from that game. Luka Doncic had 39 points on 14 of 25 shooting. Kyrie Irving had 16 points on 7 of 18 shooting. Who do you think took the final shot when they were down 2 with 8 seconds left? Well, it's saying Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving took the shot when they were down 2 with 8 right. seconds left. Unbe Luka was damn near unstoppable so in that game. So they're 1 and 5 now together. Yeah, with both of them. And the other part, and... Mr. Jason Kidd, who says he doesn't have any control of anything. No, it says we watch the game like he does. So the Pacers had two free throws up by two and missed both of them. Mavericks get the rebound, call a timeout. So they got about eight seconds left, down two. Coming out of a timeout, Kyrie Irving catches the inbounds pass, goes isolation, one-on-one, -on -one, misses a three. They called a timeout to isolate their second best player. Jason Kidd's doing? right. He's not. He doesn't no, he's, do anything. He's watching like the media. 
He just let Kyrie Irving call the play. Was it that crappy three that he does at the like near the top of the like a step? It was a step back three. But okay, because he for a while there he tried to make his signature shot like a step side at the top of the arc. That was like, yeah, you hit it for the Cavs one time. (laughs) Stop trying it. You never hit it. Uh, The Mavs are one and five with Luka and Kyrie in the lineup together. There's two interesting stats for you. Before Kyrie, the Mavs uh, were second to last in the league in pace. One of the slowest teams in the league. Now, they're still not fast, but since getting Kyrie, they're like 18th in pace. So they've gotten close to average. But their defensive rating since getting Kyrie Irving, I think they are 27th now. In defensive rating, small sample size, but in those he's been there for eight or nine games, I believe. Oh, they're not good defensively. They are awful defensively, yeah. and they're playing fast. They're giving up a ton of points, and are playing faster. They're giving up a ton of points. They're not going to win anything. They're they are out in the first round of the playoffs because they cannot defend anybody. How's our guy Chris Wood coming off the bench? Ever since the trade, uh, he was bef- he has been most of the year. So he he's been like a sixth man, comes off the bench, plays twenty eight minutes. Well, he's and- not stopping many people. No, not at all. And that's the thing. Like you're like ah, Chris Wood can't defend either. So this team is bad defensively. I don't think they're winning a single series because they got nothing. They got nothing to. Def- I mean, the Pacers torched them. Yeah, pa- Pacers are, are like Pacers. I think it was their first the, the, on the game. They said it was the first back-to-back road wins of the season for the Indiana Pacers. Like, that's not a good team, and they torched the Mavericks last night. Sounds like they're getting hot at the right time. (laughs) (laughs) No, great, great question. Kevin Durant will play tonight. It will be his debut with the Phoenix Suns. They are taking on Charlotte. I'm curious to see how it looks. They've got three of the best mid-range shooters in the game. Booker, Paul, and Kevin Durant are all three guys that are good enough mid-range shooters that you don't tell them to stop. Like, it's still a pretty efficient shot when they take it, especially Kevin Durant. I'm curious to see how that works. Do they take any layups in the game at all? Uh, How many games of the Suns do you need to see before answering a question about are they title favorites? With this lineup? Yeah. How many games of Booker and Durant and whoever, Paul, Aiton, whoever else is going to play? Ten. Is that enough? If they have ten games and they're... They're nine and one. And they're just blowing the doors off of people, we'll yeah. say they're favorites. What if they play ten and they're six and Five, four? Six and four? I don't know if I'd say they're favorites. I'm trying to, you know, over Denver, people like that. Denver, Memphis. I Where think are they th- right now? They're fourth right now, and they're... Well, they're not going to. They could get to third or second. They, they, they probably won't catch Denver. Not, That'll take ten and a half. Yeah, Denver. They're that won't happen. What are they behind Memphis right now? Uh, five. They probably won't catch Memphis no. either. They can catch Sacramento. They're three and a half behind Sacramento. Yeah. They can catch them. So I I feel a lot more comfortable saying they are the West favorites, even without seeing them play. But. I think Milwaukee and Boston are the best two teams in the league. I mean, Milwaukee's won 15 straight. Yeah, I, I think those are the two best teams in the league. And I don't think... Uh, Phoenix has a good shot to make the finals, but I do not think anybody from the West is beating Boston or Milwaukee. I think... How good are those teams? Uh, Milwaukee's won 15 straight, and they're only up a half a game on yeah. Boston. Well, they just I mean, passed them, yeah. too. It's they like yesterday or two yesterday. days ago. So I, I just think the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be the two best teams in the league, and the West will be fun because it's pretty wide open. And right. Durant's going to be on the Suns, and they—that's the fun thing. If they're the four seed, 
The second round is Denver Phoenix. Well, the first round is right now. If it stays like this, it'll be a fun Phoenix Golden State. Oh. That'd be a great first so, round. Series. So the Suns' path might be Golden State, Denver, Denver. Memphis. Yeah. Maybe they're not That's going tough. to the finals. That's tough. <laughs> I'd love to see him against Golden State in the first round. That would be good. That would be really fun. Next question. The Bucks are releasing Leonard Fournette, 28 years old. So not old, but 28 is about the end of the road for a lot of running backs. He would. Here's the interesting part to me. His cap hit would have been $8.4 million. By releasing him, there's still a $5 million dead cap hit. So the Bucks are only saving $3.4 million against the cap. That's interesting. I didn't think he had fallen off that much. No, he was pretty good last yeah. year. Like The Bucks' offense as a whole was not great, and they ran the ball pretty ineffectively. But I don't think Leonard Fournette's... The reason why. No, I don't think Leonard Fournette's bad. Uh, but I just... I thought it was like normally... You see a player, he's getting released. Oh, there's going to be some cap savings. You kind of expect it to be a little significant, and they're this still... 3.4 million. Yeah, they're still eating a $5 million yeah. dead cap hit. I don't know. Running backs aren't that valuable, but I $5 million for another year of Leonard right. Fournette wouldn't have been the worst situation, I don't think. So he's gone. Rashad White is uh, probably the starting running back there in Tampa. The more important question is, are they actually going to start Kyle Trask? Yes, that's... Or Derek Carr. We have had multiple reports that Kyle Trask is going to be the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. If they're doing that, uh, Leonard Fournette's probably happy to be released because he can go somewhere that's going to have a real quarterback, quarterback in place and not Kyle Trask. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, the Lady Rebels went 18-0 in the Mountain West. More with the ball out top. Moore comes down the left side. Moore lost the basketball going up. And the ball clearly went off his hand. And the official's going to give it to San Jose. And no, neither of the other two officials. I, that is abs. I mean, I could see it from here. That's a terrible call. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Lady Rebels completed their perfect Mountain West season last night. They beat Nevada 71-66 to to go 18-0 in Mountain West play. They were actually trailing by seven starting the fourth quarter, but had a big fourth to come back and win that game by five points. So they did it. I, they did it, and I'm telling you, I, everyone's to say, well, it's a one-bid league and all that. I mean, that's really impressive to go 18 and 0. It is. To never stumble, to never have, you know, they trailed by seven. They trailed San Diego State the other day by 10. I was at that game. They came back to win. 18 straight wins in a conference where you have to go on the road in weird places and altitude and all that kind of stuff. That's impressive. They flew on Tuesday and got to Reno, didn't get to land, had to turn around yes. and come back, and then flew the day of the game. I think they landed a little after 10 or something like that, uh, a.m. yesterday, and then played the game. Yeah. Uh, that started at six. That's impressive to go 18-0. Sorry. <laughs> I mean. So they're 28-2, and 18-0 in Mountain West play. They're in the top 25 of both the coaches and the AP poll. Uh, their net ranking is around 50. It'll probably stay around 50. Uh, pretty much, much no matter. The conference. Yeah, pretty much no matter what happens in the Mountain West tournament, it'll probably stay around 50. Even if they were to get upset by somebody, it wouldn't significantly drop. Um, but that's their resume. 28-2. Eighteen and zero in conference play. Uh, they're in the top twenty-five, and their net ranking is not good, but it's also not horrible. 
and we'll see what happens in conference play or conference tournament. Obviously, they can make things easy on themselves and just win it, and they're in the NCAA tournament no matter what. Or if they slip up for the first time against a Mountain West opponent, they might be sweating it out on uh, selection day for yeah. the women's NCAA tournament. Which would be, as you and I said, ridiculous, but we've seen it before with men's leagues and teams that have these incredible records and they're from one-bid leagues and they get upset and uh, they're sweating it out. Sometimes they get in, sometimes don't. Uh, but, again, they win their first two and go 30-2 and two and then slip up against somebody in a final, and they're 30-3 and three and win 18-0. and 0. I mean, if you can't make it in then, then yeah, you just, it's a one-bid lead for... Then just then. don't play the regular season and just play right. your tournament, yeah, and exactly. there's your season. Um, on the men's side tonight, UNLV takes on Utah State. I found a couple of stats interesting from a story that Heat Check, a website that covers college basketball, did. Utah State, uh, they're actually up to 30th, so they've moved up a spot. But Utah State, 31st in net. No one ranked 31st or better in net has ever missed the NCAA tournament. Now, net is not very old, so we're right. only talking about, I think it's four, maybe five right. NCAA tournaments since net's been introduced. But in its short lifetime, 31 or better has always gotten in to the NCAA tournament. Utah State's actually up to 30 at the moment. So Utah State, based on that, should have a good chance to get in. But there was another fascinating stat from this story at Heat Check. Over the last three NCAA tournaments, the average net ranking of the last four teams in the NCAA tournament has been 57.4. The average net rankings of the first four teams out of the NCAA tournament has been 51.1. Meaning over the last three tournaments, the higher your net or the higher net team has gotten in, has gotten more, in more than, the lower. than the lower net team when we're talking about the last, last eight teams. Last eight? The, well, the last four in and the first four out. So right, those okay. eight teams, I right. shouldn't say last eight, but those eight teams right directly on the All bubble. All in the play-ins. Yes. The four. What does that tell us about the net and how the selection committee values it? I mean, I, I'd like to know the teams and where the conferences they come from yeah. before... I made a decision on that. I mean, are they Power 5 schools? And it's been a pretty good mix of both. About Power 5s and Group of 5s? Yeah. I don't... I mean, when you look at this, and it's 57.42 and 51.08, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. No. And I think the key here... So I'll, I I got the teams for you. What are the teams? These are the, these are the teams... The last three tournaments, these are the teams that were the last four in. in. Belmont Temple... Arizona State, St. John's. Okay, that's a mix. Michigan State, UCLA, Wichita State, Drake. That's not much of a mix. Indiana, Notre Dame, Rutgers, Wyoming. So of those 12 teams, you have three, four, five, six six power conference, seven if you include St. John's. Seven of the 12 are power conference, five of the 12 are group of five. That's not as big a mix as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be overwhelmingly uh, power five with the ones that are getting in with the higher net. Here are the teams that have been left out. First four out the last three tournaments. TCU, UNC Greensboro, Alabama, Indiana. Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, Ole Miss. Dayton, Oklahoma, SMU, Texas A&M. And they all had higher nets. 
Not all, not completely across the board, but, the, but on, yes. On average. Like, for example, Oklahoma, in the la- last year, Oklahoma's net was 39. Rutgers had a net of 77. Okay. Rutgers was in, Oklahoma was out. That's surprising, because yeah. I, the second group you mentioned, I would have thought would have been the first group. Yeah. So, like, the UCLA's, la- the Michigan State's, the Dayton's. Last year... Oklahoma had a 39 net. Texas A&M had a 43 net. Two power conference teams. Texas A&M got in? No, no. Both were out. Wyoming had a 50 net. Worse than both of them, and Wyoming was in. Well, because they beat UNLV. In obviously. That, in that, in obviously. That, thriller. <laughs> that was a good game. It was. <laughs> I enjoyed Three to win one. it. I enjoyed no. that Mountain West Tournament game. Uh, so, I, I think... The big takeaway here, and it's it's the problem that um, bracketologists run into on a fairly regular basis. Uh, they kind of make it up as they go. The selection committee. I mean, they have. You mean year to year? Like, here's the thing: the net ranking is not supposed to be take the best 68 teams, or well, obviously there's automatic qualifiers, right? right? It's supposed to be a tool that they use. It's like one Ken ranking, Palm. right? Yeah, Ken Palm's used uh, the net rankings. Uh, They use, I think, Sagarin as well. There's a couple different ranking systems that they use. And I think the the main takeaway is that it's going to vary every single year. If you're on the bubble, yes, your net matters. Yes, your Ken Palm matters. Yes, your quad one win matters and all of that. But ultimately, there's no way to say... Hey, we've got to be blank in Ken Palm, or hey, we're better in net than this team, so we have to be in over them. They're going to change who they think is the better team every single year. But like with net rankings, I think there was a stat out there for a long time: top thirty in Ken Palm get in. Yes, you top, if you're top 30, thirty in any of these things, you get in. You're pretty, 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 safe. pretty often. There's been. I think that you can almost say the same thing about top 25 teams, except there have been a couple of teams that ranked in like the AP top 25 at the end in. of the year. There's been one or two. I think SMU did it like five or six years ago where they were ranked like 22nd and the committee left them out. So generally speaking, if there's a if there's pretty much any ranking system that has you in the top 30, you're in pretty, you're pretty good shape. shape going in. And Utah State right now. Is 30 in the net. Is 30th. Now we've seen the a lot of teams. In Ken Palm. We've seen a lot of teams in the mid 30s. Get left out, even for teams with worse overall metrics, which means UNLV has a chance to knock Utah State out of the NCAA tournament. At least knock them right under the bubble if they're not already under the bubble. Um, Utah State at UNLV is a quad two game, so it's not a bad loss for Utah State if they lose to UNLV. This isn't like Nevada losing to Wyoming, but any loss at this point doesn't really help you. So UNLV has a shot, and then they'll have another shot on Saturday against Nevada, against Nevada another team they can beat and knock onto the bubble or maybe out of the NCAA tournament right. altogether if they win that. Again, those aren't bad losses because UNLV is not a bad team, but not exactly good ones either for Utah State and Nevada if UNLV pulls off an upset or two. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ken Bulky joins the show. Intercepted by Eric Carlson. He's back in. Eric feeds right. Good draw down low. He scores! Barkley, good draw. Wins game seven and clinches the series for San Jose with 141 left in overtime. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. 
Joining us now from Sinbin.Vegas is Ken Bolke. Good morning, Ken. Ken. How you doing? I think that's the first time I've ever heard the radio call of that goal. Yeah, it's not not as good as uh, Goodrow and alone. Uh, I actually like Dan, Dan's better. <laughs> All right. Um, but actually, let's start away from the Golden Knights. What's the more ridiculous trade? Uh, the Kings trading away Jonathan Quick for Jonas Corposalo along with a first-round pick or five picks for Tanner Janelle? got to be tangible. No, I, I actually think the Kings got better. I, I do see the ridiculousness of that, but I think getting Gabrikov helps them. I, I don't I don't completely hate that trade. I don't love the like ramifications of the locker room on it, but yeah, Tanner Juneau for five picks, but it's Tampa, so I'm sure Tanner Juneau will score seven goals in the playoffs <laughs> and we'll all be eating our words. Why did the Golden Knights not offer Keegan Colasar for four picks to the Tampa Bay Lightning? That's a great question. I, I I have to imagine because at some point they there was a rumor that Tanner Janot was on the block and everyone was kind of like, well, why? That doesn't make any sense. And it kind of reminds me of the Brandon Hagel one from a couple years ago, where it you're like, well, that why would they do that? And then you see the package, you're like, oh, that's why. I don't think anyone <laughs> offered anything near that for Keegan Colasar would be the answer to that. Uh, we don't know about injuries because they never really tell us how long it's going to be, but Bressois now on IR, uh, we know about Logan Thompson. If they think in their minds it's going to be long for both, do you expect them to make a move on a goalie Friday? I would say that, yes, they probably will. I don't know how it makes all that much sense because I don't know that it's going to help all that much down the road because there's not a good enough goalie out there. Jonas Corposalo is kind of another example of just like, how much better is he than Aiden Hill? How much better is Cam Talbot than any of the guys that are going to be here? I, I just think there's this irrational fear of what Michael Hutchinson will look like in a goal. Like He's not that bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this prediction uh, question. Who is the starting goalie of the last Golden Knights playoff game this season? Loren Brassois. Oh. Is oh, that because right. he's better than Logan Thompson? I believe he is the most consistent and has the highest floor of all the players. They're all the goalies that they have. And therefore, I think when you go through a playoff series, I think that the wild swings that you've gotten at different times from the other guys will lead them down the path of eventually getting to Bressois. So with that sort of same thought in mind, you think Logan Thompson, assuming he's healthy, starts the postseason? Uh, that would be my guess. I think it's possible that Bressois could potentially take that away from him down the stretch. I also think that there's a pretty, well, I don't, I don't know how to, I think Logan's going to be hurt when he comes back. Let's put it that way. I just think that when you, when you look at the other guys coming in and, and, the history of the Golden Knights goalies coming back a little early from injuries. I just have a feeling he's not going to be 100% healthy, and I don't know we're going to get 100% Logan Thompson when he comes back. So he may not be the same guy, and then that would that would lead you to lose your job, I think. Where does Barbashev end up on this team? Uh, it's an overreaction in the first game, but uh, do you see him staying up there if Stone stays out? Do you see him moving around? I think they're going to try him in a lot of different places, and I don't know that there's like they don't they don't really have a true top six because they don't really have six 
legitimate top six players on the roster. So I think that they are going to lean with sticking with trying to have a, a top nine and having three lines that are kind of balanced. So I think he ends up in there. If you were to say, like, where does he land on the, on the depth chart? I think he's the sixth best forward. All right. No Mark Stone. Uh, you can either try to keep a balanced top nine or you can try to load up. What are you making a line with Eichel? What do you think is the best thing they should do with Jack Eichel's line? Um, it's not. I don't think it's Barbashev. I'll start with that. I, I didn't like that game at all, and I, I despite the the highlight packages that were electric that we kept seeing, <laughs> I did not like his his game in his first game. Ah, man, I, I think Stevenson's got to be one of the guys with him. That's when we've seen kind of the best out of Eichel. Yeah, he's been all right with Marsh, so I think I would probably try Stevenson and Marsh or so. I do think that needs to be a focus going forward, though. I, I think you need consistent points and consistent offense from, from Michael when you get to the playoffs. And I don't know that they're going to get it with, with the line that he's currently on. Is it a bad sign, obviously for this year, but into the future with Eichel as maybe the best player or the highest paid player that it's been a struggle to figure out who is going to play with him. If it's not Mark stone. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think at the, the price that he makes $10 million, he needs to be able to drive a line no matter what you're putting on there. And and that has happened at times. That has also not happened at times. And there was that long stretch, and you saw what the team did when there was a struggle of him scoring. Like, they lost a bundle of games, kind of, was it, I think it was 7 of 8 or 7 of 9 or something like that right before the break. Like, if he's not scoring, they struggle. And I think that not being able to drag along at least one player has been a problem, let alone I think you actually need to find a line around them that's, that's two perfect fits, and they haven't quite found that since Stone's been out. Speaking of him, uh, given what Kelly McCrimmon said the other day, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the odds of him even coming back this year? I don't like the chances at all. I've never liked the chances. I understand the optimism because of the fact that he was up and walking around pretty quickly after the surgery. I just think when you when push comes to shove, the next time he steps on the ice, I think everyone's going to kind of have the same understanding of if this happens again, we're talking about the rest of your career. So I just feel like when he gets back out there to skate or, or whatever happens next, they're going to have that conversation. And to just plop him in the middle of a playoff series seems awfully risky for the rest of his career. Like, I just I just don't think they're going to end up doing it. I, I just can't see it happen. Who's more likely to push for him to actually play, Mark Stone himself or the front office? <laughs> I'm going to go with Stone. I think Stone's going to be sitting there saying, I'm the captain of the team. I've got to get back out there. And because this is just the nature of sports, like, they're going to end up in a situation where they have to win a game at some point, and he's going to feel like that he wishes he could be out there. I think in the end, though, I just don't think he's going to feel comfortable enough to, to say, like, I'm ready to go and, and play one, two, three games or something like this and jeopardize the next, what, what six years of his career? Seven? How old is he now? 30? Yes, uh, I think he is 30 years old. All yeah, right. So five, five, six years of his career. Like you're, you're jeopardizing that for one or two games. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to want to do that. Does Steve Spot have an alert on his phone for every time the Golden Knights don't score on the power play? 
I hope he, I hope he saw the one for February tweet that I sent out <laughs> because like it's he always was getting a little bit too much slack, but at the same time, it wasn't completely unfair to look at what they were trying to do last year and say, "Hey, coach, why don't we do anything different?" Like. Maybe don't run the ball for zero yards on first down. Thanks, Byron Leftwich, back to my football season. But, like, do anything else. And, and that's not what happened. At least with Cassidy, we are seeing different options. We're seeing him kind of saying we need to do these different things. We didn't really have that. But, yeah, I'm sure he feels at least a little bit vindicated. You okay with Leonard Fournette getting blown out? They can do whatever. It doesn't matter for the next five years until they find a quarterback. They're going to be horrible. Kyle Trask is their best option, they claim. Get out of here. Could well, be Derek yeah, Carr. Dwayne Gabbard Carr. is sitting right there, and he trained with one of the best. Please don't give me Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr would be a better quarterback than than anybody else in the division, but the price that Derek Carr wants, please don't do it. And and I can't deal with the press conferences. I don't know how you guys did it. But <laughs> Our number one Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, Ken Bulky, with us. You're not excited about Kyle Trask being the starting quarterback? Uh, the only thing that excites me about Kyle Trask being the quarterback is the outside chance that he's so bad that they get the first pick. <laughs> oh, and they get the SC kid, then it's all Caleb it's Williams. All, yeah, it's all worth it if you get exactly. That, I'll take him. Maybe right. that's why there was the report there considering Drew Locke, because if Kyle Trask is accidentally competent, they can go to Drew Locke and absolutely lock up the first pick. Right. And that would also be a good reason to wear the creamsicle jerseys as often as possible because you can't win when you wear those things. Ah, you got to start. What, what did they start as a franchise? Owen 26? That sounds about right. I was not alive at the time. Yeah, it's okay. You got to remember that record, though. That's great. Just go O for, go for, o for February. It's better than one for February, right? At least we got the one. It was a nice one, too. I just snapped that thing. Uh, all right, before we let you go, Friday's the trade deadline. They've got Barbashev in. They've still got like $7 million in cap space. Who else do they trade for, or are they done? I think they are going to do something else. I think it's going to be a name that kind of comes out of left field, so I'm, I, I don't even want to take a shot at it because typically when I do these interviews right around the trade deadline time, I say they're going to trade for this guy. And within like eight minutes of hanging up, that guy goes somewhere else. Or they trade for somebody completely different, and I look like an idiot. But I'm going to say they will do something, but it'll be a name that we haven't necessarily heard much. So not the James Van Riemsdyk. See, then I just did it. Now they just acquired James Van Riemsdyk. There you go. James James Van Riemsdyk. Start buying the jerseys now. He is Ken Bulky. Send Ben.Vegas. Ken, we appreciate Thanks, Ken. it. See ya. Will it be a disappointment if they don't do anything? Yeah, because it'll be so unlike them. Yeah, it'll be so enlightening because you wait around on the before, and then you wait around till it passes. Like, yeah, but deals have been made. Can't announce them yet. And you're like, oh, those guys made a deal. They're probably what they're. They're probably the team they're talking about. Deals have been made. We're we're gonna wait till they're official. It's just I just feel like this team, or I should say this organization, they're probably better off not giving up a pick or a prospect for just. A bottom well, six forward. No, I mean they're better off drafting a first round pick and then trading it <laughs> two years from now. <laughs> That's what they're better off doing. It just, it just, I don't know that this team is one more depth forward away from winning the cup, right? I don't feel like this team is. Oh, we identified Tanner Janot. Our Tanner Janot is going to win us the cup. I feel like they're better off, you know, 
hold back on some assets for once. And, you know, I guess technically they didn't make a trade last year, but right. they tried to get rid of Evgeny Dodonov. <laughs> but I just feel like they should say, hey, let's uh, not trade away a bunch of I mean, if they give up a fourth round, fourth pick, round pick or something, whatever. But who but, are they getting back? Yeah, but th- that's the thing is if you give up a fourth, you're probably not getting something that valuable in right. return. Maybe they can hit on another Chandler Stevenson because he was a fifth round pick. Right. They give up a fifth round pick for that guy, and he's great. But I think if I remember correctly, Washington was in a roster crunch and just kind of had to get rid of somebody or else they were going to have to waive them and lose them for nothing. So go find that team who has to get rid of somebody <laughs> and go trade a fifth round pick for a good player coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas. I think the Titans GM might be bad at his job, but first we got tickets to give away to go to the mountain West tournament. If you want to go out to the mountain West basketball tournament at the Thomas and Mac call in now 702 702- 364-1100. That's the phone number. We got a pair of tickets for you to go. Oh, it's a four-pack of tickets? Oh, you're telling me caller four. Yeah, okay, I got no, you. No, I'm telling you session four. Oh, session four. All right, thanks, Jared. I just saw four fingers. Session four, two tickets to the Mountain West Basketball Tournament. Be caller number four right now at 702-364-1100. Ryan is under contract. You know, I know you guys, I, I, I just want to speak freely for a moment. <laughs> You know, I know everybody wants to make a big deal, you know, out of the quarterback position and whether he will or won't be here. But you guys just have to accept the fact that Ryan is under contract, you know, for us. And right now he's a Titan and he will be a Titan. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Titans GM Ron Carthon talking about Ryan Tannehill and how he will be back with the Titans next season as their quarterback. We actually talked about this earlier. He has the fifth highest cap hit among quarterbacks going into this season. Yeah. Contracts get restructured all the time, so maybe the Titans restructure that to bring the cap hit down if they need to. But as of now, he is a high-paid quarterback for next season. But I got to read you a different quote from the Titans GM, this. Ron Carthon. Oh, geez, I saw this yesterday. Here we go. It's cute and sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather is good. But the teams that play in January play tough defense and run the football. This guy was watching Family Feud during the Super Bowl. I don't think he watches the NFL playoffs. What is he talking about? (laughs) First off, if you're going to use a cross-sport reference... Don't use the Golden State Warriors, who are the most successful NBA team of the last decade, as an example as to why it doesn't work. Don't use them. Use literally anybody else but the Warriors. Right. But on top of that, does he know who just won the Super Bowl? Well, he might know, but he doesn't know how they play. (laughs) He saw that Patrick Mahomes run. (laughs) And thought and went, hey, hey, there that guy ran. Yeah, he ran. That's what you're supposed to do in the fourth quarter. Does he know how the Kansas City Chiefs just won? No. He does not. There's no. no chance he knows how the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. He he has not watched a single Chiefs game for five years. They've won two Super yeah. Bowls because Mahomes is awesome. They have an average defense, and they just have a guy at running back. Yeah, and it could be any guy. Right. The guy's insane. If I was a Titans fan right now, I would... Be, be calling worried. for him to be fired. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to be like how and take it beyond Kansas City. When we talk about this conference, we're always talking about the quarterback play. How are the Bengals any good? The quarterback's really good, Girl, right? Good. How are the Chargers good at all? Quarterback, 
yeah. right? The Bills have a good Bills. defense. They do. But, but he's good. Josh Allen's really good. And yeah, Josh Allen runs the ball because he's a damn linebacker right. playing quarterback. But the teams the Titans have to beat to win a Super Bowl are all going to beat them because their quarterback's really good. Not because they play tough defense and run the football. If they play the Chiefs in the playoffs, this guy's going to be like, we got him. He's going to be blown away. No, we got him. We run the ball. (laughs) We got him. Just hand it off to Derek the whole game. We got him. It's okay. Like, I often come in here with some hyperbole, and I'm like, oh, I'd fire that guy for saying that. If I'm the Titans, does the Titans owner believe that? Does the Titans owner believe? He's got this guy as his GM. Does he believe? Yes, we need to run the football to to win win the Super Bowl. Bowl. There's no way. They cannot. You cannot watch the NFL recently and think, all right, the key here. Time to run the ball. The key here is Derrick Henry. They've had Derrick Henry for years. Exactly. He's been awesome. Derrick Henry's one of the running backs that makes you say, huh, maybe you can pay some guys at that position. And they but, still can't win. But there's a huge butt there. Right. They haven't done it. They haven't. They've won their division because their division has been an absolute disaster. They beat the Patriots once. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. God. Do pe- I, seriously, do people like people are always criticizing. Well, this was enough on Twitter yesterday to where if you're a Titans fan and you saw it, <laughs> then you were not happy. This was all over Twitter. And it's from media members saying, did he just say that? Right. Because it's insane. Because even, I mean, not. All of them, obviously, but even the majority of media members are like, "Oh yeah, you, you got to throw the ball, guys." Like, yeah, like, what is he talking about? That's like, what I, was, I saw yesterday. Even that, beyond the Titans writers, it was just national media saying, "Did he just say that?" Yeah. So, Ron Carthon played a few years in the NFL, and since then he's been a scout, he's been a director of player personnel, and is now the current general manager of the Titans. Media members get blasted all the time for having bad opinions or or not knowing the game well enough. Fans get called out all the time for being idiots and not knowing the game well enough. When do we get to start calling out players for being morons that become GMs or head coaches? Uh, 24 hours ago. Like, you don't get to say that and just be like, well, he played the game. He knows. No, he's an idiot. Yeah. That that's he genuinely doesn't know where football is going or has gone for the last decade. One of my favorite quotes. Guys who cover the White House that were never president, they do a pretty damn good job.